welcome to the Corporate Athlete Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Findler, and this is episode five with professional cyclist Hayden Ralston. In the Corporate Athlete Podcast, we draw parallels between the athlete world and the corporate world. Having been a former professional extreme skier and now working in corporate well-being, I couldn't help but notice the benefits that the corporate world could gain by implementing the athlete mentality. Athletes are incredibly resilient. They're excellent at overcoming failures. They work fantastic as a team. They have an immense support network. They heavily focus on their mental health. And these are all things that I think those in the corporate environment could learn from. So I've set out to interview the top athletes in the world and get them to share their stories and their tools and techniques that they use to help them become the elite athletes that they are. For those of you who are just joining us, you might want to check out some of our previous episodes. Our last episode was on mindfulness. Now there's a reason why so many athletes use mindfulness as a mental health tool. And if you're in a managerial or a leadership role, then definitely check out Tom Williams' interview, former professional rugby player and now coach at the London Harlequins, competing on the world stage. Tom shares with us how he gets the most out of each individual on his team and how he adapts his style to each individual. And so today we are extremely lucky to have Hayden Ralston, a professional cyclist, who has a silver and bronze medal from the Beijing Olympics. Now my dad was a former competitive cyclist and a very, very keen one and still is to this day. And I've always had my eye on the cycling community and I remember reading an article about Hayden Ralston and I loved it so much that I actually ripped it out of the magazine and kept it. So when I started these podcasts, he was one of the first people I reached out to asking him to be a guest on this podcast. Hayden is incredibly energetic and enthusiastic about sharing his knowledge. He told me he wants to help as many people as he can. Now retired from the professional sport, he coaches the up and coming cyclists of the world today. And he has a massive focus on nutrition. And the reason being is because this is something that he struggled with himself throughout his career. From all the carb loading, Hayden could put on a few kilos within a day. Now for a cyclist, putting on a few kilos is detrimental to their performance the next day. So Hayden's going to tell us how he took extreme determination to fix this problem and how he found a resolution to it. He also shares with us his morning routine and how important that is to the success for the rest of his day. So I really hope you can take something from it, just one thing, and implement it to your morning routine that will help you have a good day. So if you want more information on Hayden, you can head to his website, which is rolston.co.nz and he'll be able to answer any questions that you have. He is a, a very excitable and encouraging person to be in this community. So without further ado, I'm going to hand it over to Hayden. What I'm doing right now and, and really invested a lot into is, is the coaching side of things with the young athletes and well with athletes. Um, but my real passion is the young, younger generation, you know, because um, and I use always Bradley Wiggins uh, as an example. You know, at, at the same at, at the age of like ten or twelve, the ability, the um, the talent between him and I was probably pretty similar, but the pathway to get to the top was very different. You know, so you know I had to go off and work at the freezing works before I could get enough money to go to Europe. And then once I got to Europe, you know, it was without my parents, it was without, with everything. You know, so. I'm trying to fill that void, that that gap um, that I had to, which was so tough, you know, and only 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 a few survived that that really tough period. Um, so my passion is really with the younger generation, the um, uh, and and coaching them so that they can actually 
one, understand how to race a bike, you know, get them, get, get all their levels up so they can go and have success. And then something else that I'm working on on the side is the Ralston Foundation, which is basically going to be set up to provide money or equipment or um, whatever they need so that they don't have to go and work to to get to the top, you know, because, um, you know, and I'm actually yeah, hoping to talk to Bradley one day and actually Fabian Cancellara and the guys that really were the talent, were very talented at a young age and ask them what was provided from the young age because it would be really great to understand it. But um, that is what I'm doing. At the moment, I'm coaching. I've got the uh, Ralston Foundation just starting to kick into gear now and I'm also doing nutrition. So I've got um, quite a few things on the go. You're juggling a lot. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's, it's funny how um, the role of a professional athlete has changed because I think a lot of people um, had to work and train at the same time. And even talking to the footballers and the rugby players and um, even myself as a skier, I had to have a full-time job and train and compete until, you know, really hitting the big times. But yeah. now, like, you know, these, these younger generations, they're, they've got people like you who are creating an environment for them where they can just focus on their training. Yes. Mm. Yeah. There's probably two ways of looking at that, you know, whether they do actually need to go, out, go outside of the comfort zone and learn that what they've got is actually very, very unique, you know. Um, but at the same time, I think nowadays, especially cycling, is now becoming even more professional. Track cycling is now a professional sport. Uh, to make it to the gold medal at the Olympics, you cannot be working a full-time job. It's just not possible. No. Well, it really wasn't that long ago that you did that. Yeah, it's, it is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I remember I worked, before I went to Europe as an amateur, uh, I had to work two years at the freezing works. So I was working eight to 10 hours a day and training and trying to win races so that I could actually be good enough to go. Um, you know what I mean? It's just when I think back to that and think of the generation now doing it, there's no way they'd do it, you know? It's like <laughs> just a too, too hard basket, but that's just what I had to do. It's my parents didn't have the money and that's what I had to do. Yeah, but there was obviously so much passion behind your cycling. Is that what it was? It was the love for cycling or was it more something else there yeah do you know I was asked this the other week like what what was it that made me do it but I think and, and even now like in, in what I'm doing sometimes I think oh how, how am I going to do it but back then I actually didn't care about the hows I just knew exactly what I wanted to do I wanted to be professional I wanted to try and win the Olympics I want you know I knew these big dream goals at the end I didn't worry about the steps to get there the steps just actually um they just happen naturally you know uh, but it was now I'm sitting here as an as an adult thinking, oh, how can I? Uh, it's not possible to get the foundation up and running like this way. But actually, all I need, all I needed, or all I need now is just knowing exactly what I want, and the rest will unfold. Yeah, that is so true, and it, obviously that's something that you've learned um, in through your cycling to now bring into your your brand building now. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and. It's um it's funny how some things feel right and you know when something isn't the right path for you. Um because I know I was the same with skiing. I just focused on skiing. That's all I cared about. Nothing 
was going to get in my way. I didn't care if I had to work. I didn't care if I had to sleep in a freezing camper with the generator broken in minus 15. Like, I just didn't care. Yeah, um, 100%. But then coming back and trying, I took up rowing moving back to the UK. And I thought, right, I'm going to give rowing a shot and I'm going to compete. And for some reason, it didn't feel as natural and as easy as skiing did. And I started to let certain things get to me. And, um, and I thought, wow, this is the difference between having serious passion and driven and just enjoying something. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You need to have that passion. You need to be prepared to do whatever it takes to, you know, to make it. And it's, and it's not easy, especially, you know, I just, I always talk about my sort of journey over those um, earlier uh, earlier years and it was so tough you know it was I remember ringing mum I was landed in France as a first year amateur and I'd never moved I'd never been away from home uh, and and I remember ringing her calling collect I didn't have a laptop didn't have a cell phone I had nothing back in 2001 um, and I was calling collect to speak to mum and dad and I was just crying wanted to come home you know I was so homesick but it was luckily, luckily that they didn't have the means to bring me home you know, if, if I come from rich parents, they probably would have brought me home, you know, but I just had to persevere. And, um, and luckily I did because it turned out to be the right, right thing. Okay, so you have so much passion and obviously coaching the youth, you clearly have that same passion. But with nutrition as well, was, um, where's the interest from that? Because obviously being an athlete, nutrition is so important to you. But was there something specific that has made you migrate towards nutrition as a main focus? Yeah, um, nutrition for me now I'm actually extremely passionate about. I think um, in, the, in the last few years of my career, I really started to learn more about it and understand more because I weight and nutrition, I struggled with my whole career. That was a big, big, big problem for me. It was, uh, you know, it was either eating too much or not eating enough and then binging or was it high fat, low fat? Was it high carb, low? You know what I mean? I was all over the show. I had no clue because there was so much misinformation out there, you know, about this, you know, carb, carb, carbs, carbs, carbs. But back then, I mean, I could put on kilo after kilo um, every day by eating too many carbs. But because I was um, racing, you know, you sort of got away with some of it. But then as soon as I had a day off, then boom, I would just put, I could easily put on two kilo a day, you know. Wow, so, it's that quick. That's amazing. For me, it was, yes. For me, it was. But it wasn't, it probably wasn't weight, but it was water weight, you know, because for every gram of carbs, it's it's, it's three to four grams of water you, your body needs to, to get it through the system. So I, um, a couple of years before my career ended, I really started to learn about it. I listened to, you know, podcast after podcast. I read lots of books, lots of science, um, and I just started to, you know, I, I thought if I keep eating the way I'm eating when I finish, I'm going to be massive, okay, and that there for me is enough to make me start to learn something new, and so <laughs> that, that's, that's where it comes from really, and, um, and and I've just, you know, over the last couple of years, I've learned learned so much, and actually, I'm so passionate about it, I pretty much listen to a podcast a day on, on subject, even um, even today where I already feel like I know a lot about nutrition. Um, but that yeah, it's just, yeah. That must be so important because obviously everyone is such an individual case. So there isn't one size fits all with nutrition, is there? You, you probably need to know such a broad spectrum of understanding of nutrition so that when 
you know, so-and-so walks through the door, you can find something that works exactly for them and for them only. Yes, yes, 100%. Every, everyone, I think there's basic principles that need to be followed, but then, of course, everybody is different. You know, I, I can tolerate, you know, more fat in my diet than, than Joe Bloggs and vice versa, you know. So it's, it's, I think there is a real, there's a real template that people, I believe that people should probably try and follow as, as closely as possible, but, you know, depending on what you do or what you don't do, that's when you make changes, you know, or, or maybe you don't like meat, so you, you substitute it with someone else, something else or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's one of my uh, favorite nutritionists I worked with, Courtney Earl. She, um, when I first went to go meet her, she said, what are three things you refuse to give up? And I really like that she asked me that because it made me feel at ease because a lot of people think with nutrition, like, oh my God, I'm going to have to change everything or they're going to tell me to give up this, give up that. But that's not necessarily the case. And like you just said, you can always find a replacement as well. Yes. Yes. So you don't 100%. need to live an, a miserable life no, <laughs> giving up no, things. No, no, no. <laughs> no. And, and, you know, I've had... Um, I, I offer a protocol I've called the Rolston Protocol where I'm... Um, where I, you know, basically tell my life story and explain about food and what it does to you and your body and all that sort of stuff when you eat it. Um, and I've had a, a large number of people through it and it, it's really amazing and, and, and it's the results that drive me to learn more and understand more because some people are having phenomenal results by just making some, some, a few changes, you know. It's, um, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, the changes must be huge. And yes. When you first meet with someone, do do they know where they're going wrong? Do they do? Do you think they kind of know already, but you're just helping them see it better or create a way out? Maybe, maybe they know what's wrong, but they don't know how to overcome it. it it's a it's a bit of everything. Some people 100% know what's what's stopping them from being where they want to be, you know. Um, but then other people think. The opposite, they think, no, no, I'm doing everything right, but something's just, but, but of course, if they're doing everything right and they're not getting the results, then something's obviously wrong, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, again, it's, it's similar to, to the diet itself. Every, everybody is different. Everybody comes with different issues. Um, some people aren't necessarily about, you know, um, losing weight. It's just about becoming healthier, sleeping better, whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it's pretty phenomenal what, what happens to the bot, what your body is capable of, one, when you actually uh, give it the right nutrients. Yeah, I can imagine it's um, not even just from a weight perspective, like you just said, but energy as well, because you know, it's, yes. it's fuel for our body. And I, I can imagine so many people are shocked by how much energy they have going through the day once they make those changes. Yeah, it's crazy. Like one question I ask is, you know, do you... I, do you feel sleepy after a meal or especially at three o'clock in the afternoon at work, do you feel like having a sleep? And I tell you, it's 90% of people say yes, wow. you know, and, and that there for me is a big, a big sign going off that something is, is, is clearly not right because I mean, you shouldn't, you shouldn't really need to sleep unless you're getting up very early in the morning. Um, you shouldn't need a wee cat nap in the afternoon, really. Yeah. I'm so surprised how many people feel like they need to take naps in the afternoon or right after lunch as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a big indicator that something is not quite right at lunch. So, like I just said, I know everyone's an individual case, but 
if someone's feeling like that in the afternoon or after lunch, like what is a basic change someone can make to their lunch or, or maybe inc- include an afternoon snack that would help? Um, I would probably look at the carb level of lunch and I would also look at the carb quality. You know, I'm not against carbohydrates. I, I really, I sort of follow a, a high fat diet, but um, carbohydrates are good, but you sort of bring them in when you need them and you reduce them when you don't. And it's, that's how I sort of do it, and that's what that's the advice I give. So I, if someone's really tired, especially after lunch, I think it's just a massive hit of carbs they're having at lunch, which is going to you know spike all their levels and then drop them. And and of course, when when they drop, that's when you want to go to sleep, you know. So yeah, I would be um, probably looking at the carbs. Sometimes when I walk into an office, I see bread, sandwiches everywhere, and I just want to go up and smash them all. <laughs> oh, like, I know. There are I other know. alternatives. You do not yeah. need to eat a sandwich every day for lunch. There's nothing no. in it for you. No, it's, it's yeah, I mean, I, I love bread. I could eat, if I ate bread every day, I would be huge. And, and it's because you got something. spoiled with all your time in France eating good French yeah. bread. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. But honestly, it's um, I just can't have bread. I mean, of course, I love it, and I love to be able to have a little bit every now and again. But you know, for some people, bread, what it does in their body is it makes them crave much more than just bread later. You know, and that's the whole role that food plays. If you eat the right sort of food, then the cravings go away. Um, but if you've got massive cravings and all the time then something you're doing or something you're eating is doing that. And it can actually be stress as well, you know. It's not necessarily always food. It can be, you know, quite often someone in a very stressful work environment comes home and all they want to do is just gorge. And and that's, you know, that's another issue. But, yeah, for me, it's bread. You know, there's certain things, bread, potatoes, all that sort of stuff. If I have, if I have that and too much of it, um, I'm in big trouble. You need to get on the bike. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about um, like stress and how nutrition can help it because, you know, the demand in the work environment these days is just immense. The pressure on everyone to work longer hours, work harder. I mean, it's just crazy now and everyone's struggling. And obviously, like stress, as we know, can slow down the digestive system so much because it goes into fight or flight and just thinks, oh, I don't need digestion anymore. Let's shut that off. Um what can people do to help the, you know, the stress levels in their body using food? Yeah, um, well, there's so much you can do to help with stress. Um, obviously, you know, the right sort of food keeps all the levels um, balanced. You know, so the insulin isn't driving up um, and then dropping, which which is what causes the, you know, obviously weight gain or um, or whether you burn burn your own fat as fuel. Um, but I mean, you know, the breathing, um, you know, I, I, I'm a big advocate of morning routine. So, you know, and I learned that I, I was sort of doing it my whole career, but I learned it, um, it was sort of reaffirmed when I started listening to Tim Ferriss. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I and, love Tim Ferriss. Yeah. yeah. So like, you know, there were certain things that I used to do during my career. One was a morning routine. So every, every day I get up um, and I do a, a small routine. It's a little bit of core it's a little bit of stretching, and it's not the same every day, but it's something that I do every day that sort of brings me into a, I feel good now, you know, and I finish it in a cold shower. So Ooh, that'll um, wake you up. Yeah, yeah, and even <laughs> now, now, now it's coming into winter. It's not like the old summer water, summer cold water. It's, uh, this morning was very cold, but I tell you, whatever, and I, and I advise this because 
you know, whatever you take into that shower, whether it's, oh, I've got to go to bloody work or um, this person's annoying me, or whatever you wake up with in the morning, you get in that cold shower, I tell you, when you get out, the only thing you can feel is amazing because you're no longer in the shower, you know, and it, and it almost sets you up for like a good day. Um, you don't need to be in there for long, and I don't advise people to do it straight away. Like sometimes you've got to work work the temperature down. But for me, that is something I do every day. And regardless, even if I don't have enough time to do a quick morning routine, I have a cold shower. And wow. I have a, I, I'm in there for about a minute, a minute and a half, and I hate it. But I love it. <laughs> I, I hate it, at the, but at the same time, I love it when I get out. You know. That's the um, athlete yeah. in you talking. You you love the pain. Yeah, 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 hundred percent. Well, because I I know you live by the four M's. Could you explain that to us? Seeing as you just mentioned your morning routine. Yeah. So um um so mindfulness, obviously. Um. So, so like with the four M's, it's it's really about you know um, the thoughts in your head, um, the morning routines. Um, a bit of meditation. So I do a bit of box breathing as well. So that's basically, uh, it doesn't have to be very long, but you basically sit there in the morning. Um, you'll breathe in for a certain number of time. You'll breathe, you'll hold your breath for the same time. You'll breathe out for the same time. And then you'll hold your breath at the bottom of the breath for the same time. So you create a box. So it's like, if you breathe in five seconds, you hold five seconds, you go, you breathe out for five seconds, you hold for five seconds, and you just do that, and it just calms you, you know? Um, so, yeah, so it's meditation, mindfulness, uh, morning routines, and oh, what's the other one? Movement. Um, movement, yes, yeah. movement. Yeah, so I'm a big, big believer of those four things that you can do that can help you in the, in, in the morning, or it can be your morning, your routine may be later, but I think to get the best benefit, it should be in the morning. And some people say, I don't have time in the morning. Well, everyone's got time. You just got to get up a little bit earlier, you know? Yeah, this um, is always the excuse, isn't it? I don't have time. But yeah. the amount of time that you're actually saving yourself during the day, because you're not wasting time, you're actually focused and driven. Yes. Um, it would be a big yes. difference. And, and I yeah. really attest to the, um, the morning routine. I can always tell when I'm on form and when I'm off form because in the morning, if I'm off form and I haven't been treating my body very well and I've been, you know, lack of sleep and all those sorts of things, I'll wake up in the morning and while I'm cooking my breakfast, I'll put the TV on. But yeah. if I'm on form, <laughs> I'm listening to a podcast in the morning yeah. or an audio book that is going to help me focus for the day or teach me something new or get me excited. And whenever I catch myself turning me on the TV, I'm like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. I better go to bed early tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there's, always, there's always little signs. Eh? Yeah, for me, if, I'm, if, I, you know, if I reach for something that I, I wouldn't normally have, like chocolate or whatever it is, I know something's not quite right, you know. Um, but, yeah, I'm a big advocate also of, um, of getting your thoughts on paper. So like, you know, Tim Ferriss, he, he says about um, journaling, but I mean, I've always, I've always done it actually. Uh, and it's just basically good thoughts, bad thoughts, whatever is in your head, get it out on the paper. It's the cheapest therapist you'll ever have. And the therapist will never laugh at you, never argue with you. Um, when you finish with that, therapist which is uh, the piece of paper you can rip it up chuck it out no one will ever see it no one will ever know what you said um but yeah 
putting a pen in your hand and writing down whatever is in your head is a great a great tool um, that I that I use often as well um, and that I tell people to do uh, because it just yeah again it just you know, if you can get whatever's in your head out, and it can be positive, it can be negative, it can be, I tell you, when you start writing and there's a bit of negative negativity in your head, you'll be amazing what comes out. You'll be really amazing. That can be such a powerful tool. Just make sure you rip up the paper if you're writing about your boss who's yes. in the office next to you. hundred <laughs> percent, 100%. But that's why it's so great, you know, because you can actually really open up. You know, I think, um, you know, and I've used psychologists and stuff for sport, but you know, you go into it and you start talking about it, but you're still a, a little bit like, oh, is this person going to tell someone or, you know, like, so with the piece of paper, at least you know, no one will ever see this if I destroy it. You yeah. Know? So you can actually be quite, you can actually be quite open and honest. Yeah, that's an excellent tool. Actually, I use voice memos. Um, I'm extremely dyslexic, so I find writing a bit of a challenge, but I just find a quiet room and I just talk into my phone, essentially recording it. And right. I know it sounds really weird, but sometimes I like to listen back to it because I'm like, wow, I'm really overreacting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, that's a great, one, great thing. I've never done that before. Yeah, and I can also laugh at myself when I'm getting all riled up. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. Yeah. Um, well, Hayden, thank you so much for your time. Is, is there anything you want to add um, before we come to the end here? Anything you want no, to share with I, us? I think, um, I think, you know, People are struggling, especially in the workplace. There's some really simple things you can do. You start your day the way you want it to go. You know, you don't be dictated by what's happening around you. Um, the box breathing, you know, really look after you, you, your nutrition. And, um, and yeah, it'll, it'll really help. Hey? It makes a big, big difference to me. And I've been a big advocate um, of doing things like this my whole career. Um, and it's what I advocate now. And, and a lot of people have success with it. You know, it's simple stuff that costs no money. Um, it just costs a little bit of time and everybody's got a little bit of time. Excellent. Thank you so much for talking with me today. No worries. Thank you. Just fantastic to sit and listen to Hayden talk. I took so much from what he said about his morning routine. I'm definitely going to be more mindful in the mornings now of how I start my day and make sure that I get off to the right start. So if you want more information on Hayden, please head over to rolston.co.nz or find him on the social channels. And of course, if you want more information on the Youth Thrive Ski Retreat so that you can embrace the athlete mentality and become a corporate athlete yourself, then please head over to the Youth Thrive website, youththriveltd.com forward slash ski dash retreats. And you can find me on LinkedIn. But in the meantime, take care of yourself and ask yourself what you can do in terms of nutrition. Just one small thing that you can change that will make a big difference. Whether it's um, maybe start eating breakfast or a healthier breakfast, or maybe you can cut out some of those carbohydrates at lunchtime that me and Hayden were talking about. You don't have to eat salads. Salads are boring. I know, I know. But you can find something else that's a bit more fun. You know, maybe even... Um, Oh my gosh, falafels are so delicious and falafels with some hummus and an avocado. Oh my gosh, that's like my dream right there. So mix it up a little bit, try a new place for lunch or maybe try and start doing some food prep. Because I do my food prep every Sunday night and it makes a big difference to my week. I love that I have lunches uh, all ready to go. So I just have to wake up in the morning, shove it in my bag and I'm on my way. 
Okay, we look forward to seeing you in a couple weeks for the next episode. Thanks for listening. Oh, and don't forget to rate us five stars if you enjoyed this and please leave a review as well. Okay, all the best. Take care.